Our scripture this Sunday comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. As we come to God's word, let us pray. God of abundant life, your grace is our daily bread. Nourish us by your word and fill us with your spirit that we may grow in faith and love through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now listen, church, for God's word for us. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In one of my first sermons to you from this pulpit, I confessed that I am married to a man who follows certain rules about toothpaste tubes and how much milk you can pour in your cereal bowl because you have to make sure you're going to drink it all once the mini-wheats are gone. My parents are alive and well, but this sign that hangs on their kitchen wall has already been willed to my husband. A rule of thrift guides Jarrett's life. One scholar of this text from Matthew says that paying attention to the rules we make is revealing. Because by and large, the rules we live by orient us to our center, to what is most important, to what we want to make sure that we attend to. I got curious about what other house rules other humans have to live with or grew up with, and so I went to social media to ask. And although it didn't get as many hits as that hysterical Zoom cat lawyer, I had hundreds of responses. There were some common rules. Come home before the streetlights come on. Do your homework before TV. If you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all. There were also some odd ones, like don't sing at the table. It's tacky to walk with a lit cigarette. Don't leave church to go to the bathroom. Our friend Jay Klompmaker said that I would need a long time and a glass of wine to hear all of the rules he grew up with in his Dutch Reformed house. But I tell you, the Klompmakers got nothing on the Pharisees. 
Matthew tells us that a lawyer asked Jesus which commandment is the greatest, and that lawyer, he knows good and well that there are 613 laws precisely spelled out in the pages of the Torah. So what's Jesus supposed to say? Make your bed, clean your plate? Mathematically, if the Pharisee already had an answer in mind, Jesus had a 0.16% chance of getting it right. But if you read this whole chapter, you will quickly learn that the lawyer wasn't going for a right answer at all. This was a setup, a test, an effort to shame Jesus. Now, if I had been in Jesus' shoes and had his quick wit and smarts, I think I would have tried to one-up this lawyer's snark, quoting Leviticus 19.17, you shall not hate on a fellow Israelite, or Deuteronomy 19.15, do not decide the case on the evidence of a single witness. But Jesus is not petty, much to my chagrin sometimes. He doesn't return snark for snark, shame for shame. Instead, he turns to the rule that everyone with an earshot would have immediately recognized. The rule Jews recited and still recite every morning and every evening, the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he goes on to say that the second is like it. In fact, the second commandment defines the first one. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everything, everything is summed up in these two. Preacher Jenny McDevitt says, The Torah goes to great lengths to clarify what love looks like. It lays down guideline after guideline, not because those who observe Torah want to be stingy with their love, just the opposite. There are all manner of instructions because those who observe the Torah really want to get love right. Jesus comes to fulfill the law comes to show us what this looks like in flesh and blood. Jesus isn't one-upping the Shema. He's explaining it and embodying it in all his fullness. If you want to love God, you have to love what God loves, and God loves everything, every wit of creation. If you want to love God, you have to love who God loves, and God loves everyone indiscriminately, unconditionally, recklessly. (sighs) As my friend Bruce Reyes Chow says, it's all that easy, and it's all that hard. It's hard indeed. Which must be why when Toni Morrison, our modern-day prophet now resting in power, spoke of love, she said, Love is divine only and difficult always. If you think love is easy, you're a fool. If you think love is natural, you are blind. Love is a learned application without reason or motive, except It is how we find our way to God. 
Like y'all, I'm trolling the web to figure out when I can get my loved ones a vaccine for this virus. And like one of our deacons said this week, I give thanks for scientists and these frontline friends who are getting shots in arms. There are lots of rules about the vaccine, gloves and masks and who gets it first and when and how to refrigerate it and how long to monitor the patient after the injection. I read a story this week of some public health workers driving back from a vaccination site in rural Oregon. These workers knew they only had six hours to get the remaining doses they had in their car back to the people who were waiting for their shots 30 miles away. Trouble is, they ran into a snowstorm and a tractor trailer jackknifed ahead of them. Now they knew the rules about who was supposed to go next. I'm sure they had 613 of them that the health department had trained them to know. But there in the snow, they made a decision to walk from car to car and asking and ask stranded drivers if they wanted to be vaccinated right there on the spot. It seems to me that what they were doing was following a different rule, the rule of love. Say please and thank you, don't play in the street, yes, of course, but love, friends. Above all things love, as hard as it is, as creative as you have to get, love is the center. Love is the answer. This week, Elder Scott Smith gave the church an old Bible from the year 1881. It was a gift from a friend of the Keenan Flagler Business School. I opened it and found that right at the beginning of our Holy Scripture was this page, an illustrated page of the greatest commandment, love God, love neighbor. And while I was delighted, I wasn't surprised before the words in the beginning. This Bible chose to insert this text as if to remind us of this rule of love, as if to say, everything you read in here has to be read through this. Today is our last installment in our sermon series, The People of the Book. And we end with the rule of love, which Presbyterians state as thus. Any interpretation of scripture is wrong that separates love for God and love for neighbor, including both love expressed in individual relations and in human community. No interpretation of scripture is correct that supports contempt for any individual or group. So church, people of the book, whether or not you have made your bed or written your thank you notes or chewed with your mouth closed, seems to me what we are being asked to do is read this word as if love is our center, as if love is our core. 
May it be so.